0: This is Kick-Ass News. I'm Ben Mathis. Hey, folks, I know you love podcasts. Believe it or not, there are a lot of people out there who still haven't been turned on to podcasts or don't really know what a podcast is. So help celebrate Podcast Month by sharing kick-ass news or any of your favorite podcasts with at least two friends. Or better yet, share us with all your friends on Twitter or Facebook and be sure to tag us when you do. And use the hashtag tripod. That's T-R-Y-P-O-D. Spread the word about this podcast or any podcast. And if you want to do something else to support Kick-Ass News, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at GoFundMe.com slash News. Believe it or not, this show costs actual money, and your contribution will help offset some of those costs. So become a part of what I'm doing here by going to GoFundMe.com slash News and making a donation. Thanks for listening. And now, enjoy the podcast. From
1: my perspective, I'm a political exile, but according to the U.S. Department of Justice, I'm a cyberterrorist. Virtual reality is a way to confront PTSD to get past it.
0: I don't like seeing people abused. There was nights that I would cry not knowing what to do. It is not hard to connect with something that's not real. I'm programmed to love just you. If you think ISIS has a presence on social media, you haven't seen anything. Hi, I'm Ben Mathis, and welcome to Kick Ass News. That was a preview of season two of the provocative docu series Dark Net, which premieres Thursday, April sixth at 10 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Darknet chronicles the ways in which the internet has pervaded our communities, relationships, and minds, exposing the dangers of an unregulated, unsupervised digital frontier following its eye-opening debut last year. The second season of Darknet takes viewers on sharper, even more unnerving turns as it depicts the perilous consequences that result when the virtual world invades every aspect of our lives, our homes and communities, our money and jobs, and even our bodies, minds, and identities. The series exposes how we unwittingly surrender access to the most personal aspects of our lives out of our dependence on technology and willingness to do anything for convenience. Darknet is produced and developed by the media arm of the cutting-edge news site Vocative. Vocative's proprietary data software mines the deep web, the 80% of the internet, beyond the reach of regular search engines to reveal hidden perspectives, unheard voices, and emerging trends and enable Darknet to expose critical stories of a dramatically changing and dangerous world. Vocative and Darknet are the brainchildren of billionaire Israeli tech entrepreneur and investor Matico Havi. He's the founder and CEO of AGT International, a global provider of advanced public safety and security solutions that provides security services and research in a wide variety of areas, including industrial, urban, cyber, transportation, maritime, border, and corporate security. He's also the founder and chairman of 3i Mind, the company that invented a proprietary technology called Vern, which monitors publicly shared content to pinpoint criminal activities and possible threats to both corporate and government clients. Vern is the same technology used by Vocative to mine data in the deep web for the news that appears on Mr. Kohavi's docuseries Darknet. Today, Maddie Kohavi talks about the mysterious world of the dark web, the digital equivalent of the Star Wars cantina bar, where anything goes, including illegal arms sales, sex trafficking, drug deals, child pornography, and forums and chat rooms facilitating hackers, terrorists, and other illicit communities. But according to Mr. Kohavi, the deep web is much more than that. He says it's becoming the world's collective subconscious, revealing society's emerging trends and warning signs. He discusses how his interest in the deep web grew out of his surprise at the unpredicted revolutions during the Arab Spring and his concerns that the data mining technology could fall into the wrong hands and be used to suppress that kind of freedom and democracy. He shares how the new season of Darknet is broadening beyond the deep web to explore emerging tech issues that will dramatically affect our lives in the near future, including why he says we may be the last generation to enjoy privacy and why technology may soon make human love obsolete. Coming up with Matty Kohavi in just a moment. Matty Kohavi is creator of the Showtime documentary series Darknet, which partners with Mr. Kohavi's news company, Vocative, to mine the deep web for some of the most fascinating and disturbing stories and trends hiding in the outer limits of the internet we don't see. Season two premieres Thursday, April 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern on Showtime. Matty Kojavi, thanks for joining me.
2: It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Well, first of all, for those who may not be familiar with it, what exactly is the deep web or the dark web?
2: There are many ways to uh, identify it and to define it, but just maybe the best way and the best easiest way to describe it is that it's everything which is uh, unindexed. So, uh, So, you know, Google touches the part of the Internet, which is the indexed part, and and so, and we're looking at the part, which is the unindexed part, and that's where some of the most interesting things are happening in our world. You need different kind of tools to be able to look into that part.
0: And what kind of transactions and interactions, for example, are going on in the dark web or the deep web?
2: It can be all the things that we all can imagine, all, I would say, the illegal stuff like uh, uh, human trafficking and, and, and weapons and, and drugs and 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 currencies. So, and, and that's the kind of things that most of us will, will expect to, find, and of course, pornography and children pornography. So all those terrible things that we will expect to find over there.
0: How do ordinary people actually access the deep web? You, I'm assuming you can't go on Google and just search it. You, you have to have a special search engine to access the dark web?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, you, you, need to have a, you need to have the relevant uh, search engine, uh, technologies and software like Tor, the famous mm-hmm. Tor. Uh, what we are looking is not only there, but we're looking at the deep web, which is where you can find all the forums and all the open discussions. And that's actually where I'm much more interested because revolutions usually don't start in the dark net. They're going to start yeah. in the deep web.
0: Yeah. And do I have this right that 80% of the web is in this deep web that's inaccessible by traditional search engines?
2: Yes. I mean, it's amazing. It's an amazing figure, right? Everyone is surprised when they see those numbers.
0: Yeah. It's sort of mind-blowing to think that the internet most of us access is only the tip of the iceberg. Uh, The deep web almost sounds like the matrix or some kind of parallel universe.
2: Think about it as the inner self of the world. So there is the the official world where we actually can find it over the Google, let's say, and that's the world we all understand and see and read. And think about it in in psychology as if it is the deeper inside of our personalities, and that's where things are happening. Sometimes they're going to stay there, sometimes they're going to flow up to the surface, but they're still very interesting.
0: Well, I read an interview in which you described the deep web as sort of a collective subconscious.
2: You know, we we, we allow ourselves to behave in uh, different ways uh, 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 in different places. And we have have our official behavior and we have the place where we allow ourselves really to express our ideas, our thoughts, our anxieties, our loves, our hatred in places that we feel comfortable and we feel that they are safe and that we are safe. And that's what I'm talking about, the subconscious. This is where the collective subconscious of the human behavior uh, in many times uh, is is in the deep web.
0: Is what you're doing similar to the WebBot project in that you can essentially form a word cloud of sorts that predicts events before they happen?
2: Uh, it depends what kind of events uh, you can uh, predict. Uh, I think that uh, uh, predicting is um, is a very uh, large word because uh, if you're asking me about being able to predict right now what people are going to buy in the stock market or things like that, that's going to be one thing. I'm less interested in that direction. Mm-hmm. If you're going to ask me uh, 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 what do people... Feel about uh, democracy. What do people feel about uh, the future of the countries? What do people feel about when they about relationships? What people feel that's where I'm more interested. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, for instance, uh, we are creating models uh, that uh, that are not. I will not say that that I can validate them yet. I cannot say that they are accurate yet. But one of the things that we are finding out, which is Really, a source of reason to be concerned is that we see that in many countries or democracies, 30% of the population, and again, I'm not going to be standing behind those numbers extremely strong. I'm going to say, I'm just saying this is part of the research that we are doing, but 30% of the populations are ready to give up democracy. They don't see value in democracy. Wow. And they don't see value and they even don't understand what it is in countries which are. A, a, a leaders a, of the of the free world, so I'm not talking about uh, some kind of uh, of, uh, of less important countries mm-hmm. a, and that's where those are the kind of things that we like to look and say, okay, what does that mean? Yeah what does it mean if thirty yeah. percent of the population is, doesn't find any value in democracy?
0: Yeah, and I understand that it was exactly that kind of thing that inspired you to start Vocative. You said that it was the media and intelligence agencies' complete failure to predict the revolutions in countries like Tunisia, Egypt, and Syria during the Arab Spring that made you want to tap into that chatter on the deep web.
2: It's so fascinating, right, because uh, in the 90s of the last century, uh, when the when when the Soviet Union collapsed, so the explanation of everyone was, uh, well, you know, there was a wall, and everything was on the other side of the wall, and 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 we can't really know what hap- what's happening in Soviet Union, and they kept everything very 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 uh, very secured, and so we were so when there was a the surprise of the collapse of Soviet Union. There was enough explanation and enough, enough rationale uh, to explain why couldn't we predict it? But then, when you're talking about the Arab Spring, you're talking about a huge uh, 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 political and human event, and there was no there were no walls over there. I mean, everything right. was open. Uh, people visited those countries, people did business, people saw, you could have read in the newspaper, you could see what's happening in the streets, and yet all of us were surprised. And, and, And surprise of that magnitude should make each one of us a little nervous because it means what is it that we don't see? It's not just a small event which is hiding behind the walls of a country. Those things were in front of us and we were unable to see them. And that was actually intellectually, that's what triggered uh, my work.
0: What would you say to those who have concerns that this sort of technology could actually be used to identify and suppress these movements if it were in the hands of less scrupulous countries?
2: I would say that they are totally right. Really? I would say that uh, uh, such technologies as my technology definitely can be tools of uh, the wrong people. and, and, And therefore it's critical to be very clear uh, uh, about uh, the use of those technologies. Uh, One of the reasons that I created the Darknet uh, uh, show is actually to define publicly the guideline for me and for the people who work with me and in my companies about what are the things that we will never do. Hmm. So this is a public statement of my philosophical view about the world and about the things that worries me. So you couldn't be more right about the danger of technology.
0: Well, I know you probably can't reveal who your clients are on the security side, but you're saying that agencies and nations that work with you are not the type of oppressive regimes like North Korea or Iran who would use this technology to suppress freedom and democracy?
2: In my company, it would be extremely uh, very ethical about the customers should be democracies should be uh, countries that we trust mm-hmm. their values and, and 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 that are looking for public safety mm-hmm. uh, I I will know how they use the technology I will know the way they're going to uh, work with the court and in and the way and the legal system and if if those are democracies that uh, we feel comfortable with, then it's going to work. You know, one of the right. things that we created ethically is that one of the centers of our company is, um, is in Germany. There's a reason why I picked up Germany, uh, which is an interesting perspective, especially from my own background.
0: Yeah, as an Israeli.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> when we picked up Germany is because I found Germany to be the country that is most sensitive uh, in Europe in, uh, on privacy issues. Really, and that's why, right? One, yes. Yeah, so, in many ways, they are they, they are very they are very, uh, they're very uh, strict about it. And so, I think that uh, building part of our technologies in a country like in Germany uh, uh, is also defining uh, the things that can be done and cannot be done.
0: Well, I would assume that this technology to mine the dark net is very valuable to security and anti-terror agencies. Are there cases? where you've been able to mine data in chat rooms and social media, and perhaps it even led to arrests of terror cells?
2: Yes, they, will be, they are using such technology for their purposes. And one of the things that we also decided is to use the same technology for journalism. Mm-hmm. And that was a major important philosophical breakthrough that we had where we said, let's take the same technology and allow journalists to use this technology to tell a story. And I think that was a, it was a very different approach, to this technology.
0: You did your service in the IDF uh, working in intelligence, and I heard you say that Vocative operates in some ways very similar to intelligence-gathering agencies. So tell me a little about those practices. In what ways is Vocative perhaps more similar to the NSA than the New York Times?
2: Well, that's not uh, what I said. That's what the uh, journalists said about us. Uh-huh. Uh, so it looks uh, extremely exciting to think about intelligence organizations. Uh, uh, my military service, I'm 54 years old, so it was about 30-something years uh, ago. <laughs> and um, we like to say in Israel that every one of us is potentially a general, but uh, I wasn't one. <laughs> I was only three years. I was only four years. <laughs> so... Uh, I'm sorry I can't really give you a real exciting <laughs> insight <laughs> about how intelligence works. I, I, I might tell you that it helped me sometimes in getting good dates, but it was always yeah. bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well,
0: I wonder, when, when your company, Vocative, mines the deep web for stories, is it a little bit like putting together a jigsaw puzzle in that you're picking little pieces of data from here and there and then analyzing it and trying to form a big picture?
2: It's a great question. And in in one of the stories that we have in the second season in Showtime, we talk about uh, robots. Mm -hmm. What we found out many times when people talk in the deep web about a robot, they're not talking about purchasing a robot. They're talking about uh, adopting a robot. Hmm. The, the linguistics tool will show us that when people talk about robots, they talk about them as adopting, which means, it might mean, that they are giving them the characters of humans. You don't adopt a, a car, and you don't adopt a, a furniture. And that's where we will start connecting the dots. We're going to say, people talk about the feelings of the robot, I love the robot, I want to adopt a robot, and then that's where our story begins. What does this mean?
0: Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll be back to talk more with Maddie Kohavi, creator of Showtime's Dark Net, when we come back in just a moment. <music> Folks, whether you're starting an online business or trying to get your existing business online, GoDaddy wants to help. GoDaddy's mission is to radically shift the global economy toward life-fulfilling, independent ventures, helping customers kick ass by giving them the tools, insights, and the people to transform their ideas and personal initiatives into success. With more than 62 million domain names under management, GoDaddy is the world's largest technology provider dedicated to small business and the largest domain registrar. They have award-winning 24-7 support in everything you need to build your online business. Whether you have a new idea or an established business, the key to success online starts with a great domain name, and GoDaddy is trusted by 13 million customers, more than any other registrar, with big savings over the other guys. And right now, my listeners can get 30% off new purchases on GoDaddy.com by using the code KICK30 at checkout. That's GoDaddy.com, code KICK30 for 30% off. Again, GoDaddy.com and offer code KICK30. And now, back to the podcast. Darknet doesn't just focus on the seedy side of the deep web, but it also more broadly exposes the perhaps unanticipated problems and solutions that have arisen from the Internet and new technology. Um, as someone who has been working in tech for many years, uh, I wonder what developments or uses for the Internet have surprised you most.
2: There are a lot of things in what you're doing today in technology that are resemble to the Industrial Revolution. But I'll tell you what the Industrial Revolution did not do. It did not change the way we love. And the technologies that we're building today, some of them will change the most important human behavior which is love. Hmm. And that's where I'm really getting intrigued and worried. How so? I understand that there are gonna be cars without drivers and that's part of the business that we're really working in and that's One of our major activities the a company, my technology company, is Smart Cities. It's clear that the cities will be different. It's clear that the behavior is going to be different. But cars without a driver will not change the notions of love. Mm -hmm. But AI can change the story of love. And for instance, we have several stories in our show that talk about love from a different perspective and different aspect. A mother that loves a robot almost the way she loves her own children. That's what she says. A woman who lost the man that she loved, and she created an algorithm that can, uh, she can communicate with that algorithm and as if he is alive, so she keeps her love with an algorithm. A man who prefers to love a doll, uh, and the doll is not just going to be uh, uh, giving him answers <laughs> to his sexual needs, but actually she's going to talk to him and she's going to be responding to him. So as we were writing the second season, we said, we are maybe the last generation who's going to love human beings. Wow. And that's where where I think the story becomes interesting.
0: And I think that speaks to a new angle you're taking with the show in season two, because you're covering a lot more stories about how technology is affecting our lives for better and worse, instead of just stories originating from the dark web.
2: In season one, we call ourselves the dark net, and we related to the dark net as the physical location in the internet. Right. So the, purpose, the, idea, the idea was we're going to the dark net on the, in the internet, and we're going to pull stories out of there. And this season, the dark net, keeps the name, but it has a different, it has a different explanation. In this season, dark net is the net that we've put on ourselves. And that net is actually, in my view can be quite dark because we connected ourselves into the net and we keep connecting ourselves more and more and more.
0: So in this season, dark net is used perhaps more metaphorically.
2: You can say more metaphorically, but I would say it's very real, right? Because uh, we live in a more connected society and connected society is only not only social media, but also uh, connecting sensors and devices and machines together,
1: right?
2: And uh, and I don't think this is metaphoric. I think I think this is a real net that we are inside, and our our explanation of this net that it can be really dark, and 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 uh, and, and, and we want everyone to look at this world and say, okay, what does it mean?
0: Uh, One of the episodes in the second season, Darknet talks to a criminal defense attorney who represents hackers and a self-described hacktivist with Anonymous. Now, they describe what they're doing as legitimate forms of protest and free speech. I'm assuming as someone who has made his fortune in security that you don't agree with that interpretation.
2: I, personally, I'm, I'm a little conservative on some issues, and one of them is I believe that law is really important in order to create and to keep a, a, a safe life and, 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 and good life. I, I do think that there is a, a, a huge energy right now in the world uh, to create technologies that are taking from us a lot of our privacy and a lot of those issues. And those energies are very powerful because they have a lot of money behind them. Mm-hmm. There's investors, there's money, there's everything. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and the energy to keep privacy is obviously going to be much more weak because there's not enough money behind it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So I believe that in order to be able to win this battle of, of privacy, uh, I believe that we need to do it in the right Way I don't feel comfortable with attacking uh, uh, other people, uh, uh, cybers, or things like this. I definitely don't feel comfortable about yeah. that.
0: Yeah, in episode three in season <laughs> two, you talk about Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies, and you discuss something called Hamza Market, where people can buy, I guess, illegal items using Bitcoin. What kind of things are people buying on there?
2: So a. Uh, People are going to use the Bitcoin in order to secure their own money. They're going to use it in economies that they don't trust. And they're going to use it in places where, uh, people, they, where they cannot uh, get regular money. So in our stories over there, we had this girl that uh, was a webcam and, 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 and she couldn't uh, get a PayPal to approve her payments. And then so she needed to use Bitcoin. I, I want to tell you a really cool story. There is a small street in uh, Tel Aviv in Israel, which, you know what, you can remind me a little bit of the Soho in New York, and they really want to keep this street very alive and, and, and to keep it the way it was. So they created, for instance, a Bitcoin economy only in that on, on that street itself. Oh, really? So <laughs> all, the, all, the, all, all the vendors over there can use the same Bitcoin and they can sell with one to each other. So I think that this is the kind of uh, 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 Bitcoin is going to be is, is one of those things that people gonna people gonna use in order to challenge the 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 governments and the and the banks and the businesses that they don't, they don't trust.
0: Mm-hmm. What are a few of the other topics that you'll be covering in this season of Darknet?
2: I think that uh, that we we live in you tr- in a very strange moment. We all know that we live in it, but I want to document that moment, hmm. and the moment is that we are the last generation of privacy, and I see privacy, by the way, as human right. Mm-hmm. But so what we are doing is we are documenting the last generation of privacy, and we are showing how privacy is moving away in, in 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 different in different aspects of our life. So we created eight episodes. And in each episode, we gave it a name, but each one of them starts with the word my. So it's going to be my home, my community, my nation, my identity, my money, my, uh, my mind. Now, so all of those stories start with the word my. I think that after you're finishing the, 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 the episode you're going to understand that maybe we should remove the word my because it doesn't belong to you if you're going to see the episode. So <laughs> my home, in the end, it's a home, but it's not anymore mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, my identity, the way it's going right now, in the end of the episode, it's not going to be anymore mine. Mm. And, and 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 the complex of our stories is uh, we have to, I mean, we are we are documenting a moment in human history and we still don't know what does that mean, but we're documenting it. Yeah. And, and, and it's complicated because, you know, it's easier sometimes to create scripted uh, stories around it. They're gonna be much more cool, much more fun. I can play with them as much as I want. I can take them anywhere I want. Anyway, I can take it to the future, with no problem. And here we are saying freeze. We are saying right now, here is right now a picture. Here's right now the way the, world is, is, is the way the world behaves in a certain moment. In a certain place, this is what's happening. And that's much more complicated, but it's documenting something and it takes away the freedom of creativity to do whatever you want. And that's, I think, a very, and and we take this uh, role uh, very, very, uh, very, very seriously.
0: Uh, You said that you originally wanted to be a journalist when you were younger, but you decided to go into the security field. Is Vocative and this show Darknet a little bit of you getting back to your first love, journalism?
2: Every Israeli is a military service mandatory. I uh, had one too. uh, So I finished my military service when I was 21, 22. And I think that uh, it took about 20 years later that I just went in. My company uh, also uh, expanded its business into public safety and security. Uh, But that was 20 years later, and it was more based on our technologies and our software and things like this. Mm -hmm. Um, And journalism and uh, history and philosophy were things that always were... uh, Part of uh, my personal DNA, I, never, I didn't study technology. My education is uh, history, and I came in from a house where my father was a scholar and my brother was a professor in history. And that's basically what uh, I was supposed to do uh, when I was young, that's the way I saw my life. Um, so uh, uh, history definitely, and, res- and, 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 and responsibility, is definitely something which determines the way I I do things and the way I care about things. And I hope that they're also being expressed uh, through the work that we are doing in Showtime, through the fact that we're taking out technology and allowing this technology not to be used only by customers, but also by journalists. And we're being asked many times by journalists. Why do you use it for journalism? You can make so much money by using it only for uh, uh, financial organizations or things like that. And, and, And the answer is... I think this technology should uh, support a democracy and should support a a stronger world. So so that's Mm -hmm. basically, um,
0: yes. When you look at the mainstream media, do you think that by not tapping into this collective subconscious and what's going on, do you think we may be missing the real news under the surface because it's getting crowded out by too much noise and too many junk stories in the mainstream media?
2: I definitely do I think that uh, I think that uh, mainstream media needs to be able to have the tools that uh, the most powerful financial institutions have and, and the governments have in order really to try to understand what's happening it, it doesn't matter how smart we are. the ability to collect a lot of data and to deploy on it very smart analytics and to be able to say what does that mean is going to be a very powerful Tools for journalists and media international media to be able to tell a story mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know uh, when, you, when we wake up in the morning and we read all the newspapers, the headlines are almost the same, I mean there can be a different interpretation to the headlines some are going to say I like it and some are going to say I don't like it, but the headlines are the same, uh, as if there is one editor, chief editor in, for all the media around the world who says okay today this is what we're going to write about and that's something that, uh, that, that should raise a concern uh, in media is, are we all looking to the same direction and are there other directions which we are totally missing? Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. the kind of the basic goal that I would uh, hope that I would be able to contribute, yeah. I would say, to the safety of democracy.
0: Well, season two of Darknet premieres on Showtime Thursday, April 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Matty Kohavi, thanks for talking to me.
2: Thank you very much for your time. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks again to Matty Kohavi for joining me on the podcast. One more time, Season 2 of Dark Net premieres on Showtime Thursday, April 6th at 10 p.m. Eastern. Or you can watch it whenever you want with a subscription to Showtime Anytime. For more information, visit showtime.com. And you can check out Matty Kohavi's news site, Vocative, at vocative.com. That's V-O-C-A-T-I-V. Be sure to subscribe to KickAss News on iTunes and leave us a review while you're there. Don't forget to take our listener survey. It only takes five minutes at podsurvey.com/slash kick. You can visit Kickass News on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at kickass Pod. And be sure to recommend Kickass News to your friends on your social media. And if you really want to help out, then donate to our GoFundMe campaign at gofundme.com/kickassnews or click on the Donate button at kickassnews.com. As always, I welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions at comments at kickassnews.com. For now though, I’m Ben Mathis and thanks for listening to Kickass News.
1: Gas News is a trademark of Mathis Entertainment Inc.